Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Eating While Broke. I'm your host, Colleen Witt, and today we have a very special guest. We have Norm Steele from, you guys may know him from Gangster Chronicles, mm-hmm. On the Black Effect. On the Black Effect. On Network. the Black Effect. I met you uh, on a panel uh, through iHeart and and the Black Effect, and I was like, Gangster Chronicles? I don't know, you know? But if you guys know anything about Gangster Chronicles, um, what makes Gangster Chronicles interesting is your perspective on and your mission of the show, which is you kind of get the behind the scenes of... What's going on in the streets? um, And it's not so much about gangsterism, um, 
We have to redefine what gangster means. To me, it's gangster that Colleen is out here doing her, she's following her dreams. This is gangster right here. She's actually producing her own show in conjunction with Black Effect. That's gangster. So gangster to me is anyone who has overcame insurmountable odds to make something happen. Yeah. So those are the people we talk about. Whether it's the guy that got out of prison, may have served 20 years, and now he owns a chain of car washes. That's gangster right there. Yeah. He's made a change in his life. Yeah. And I like that you, it's it's also like educational and you showcase the impacts of like what decisions were made that led to what certain outcomes without glorifying like a negative lifestyle. And exactly. I, th I think when you hear the term gangster chronicles, you know, and I, I'm only addressing it now, right now, because I want our listeners to like really understand like your mission and what your show is about if they haven't already checked it out. But uh, in the interim, I would love to know what you are cooking us on Eating While Broke. Well, right now, you guys are going to get treated to Big Steel Nachos. Big Steel Nachos? Yeah. I like that. This is something I sort of made up when I was in college because mm -hmm. when you're in college, you don't have that much money, mm -hmm. but you want to eat good. Mm -hmm. So I think um, Taco Bell might have impeded on my trademark on my IP mm -hmm. when they start doing Dorito Locos tacos and all that stuff. Mm -hmm because I like using Doritos. Mm -hmm. It just gave it that extra flavor, right? Yeah. And plus, I didn't have the money to go out and buy a whole bunch of seasoning. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like Doritos gave you your flavor, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you start adding, I started adding stuff on to the dishes as time went along. Mm -hmm. And you know, today we're going to be using some ground turkey yeah. versus beef. Yeah. You know, you can do this with chicken as well. Mm -hmm. Or if you're vegan, you can go out and get that, what's the type of meat that they have, the false meat. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Beyond Meat or... Like, yeah, Beyond Meat or whatever else yeah. like that, you know, health conscious. So, you ready to kick it off? Yeah, let's kick it off. Start us off. Right. What are the ingredients before... Right here, we have some evaporated milk. Now, you can use good old milk out your refrigerator. I choose to use um, evaporated milk because it makes the cheese come out creamier. I mix that in with the cheese when I'm, you okay. know, milking it. But... Or you can just go get a bag of shredded cheese if that's what you want to. And it's going to melt on its own when you put some of the hot ingredients on there. It's, again, it's whatever you want. We have jalapenos. We have sour cream. We have refried beans. You know the whole Monty. And this right here is Velveeta right here. Mm -hmm. Again, it doesn't have to be Velveeta. You can go out and get your use your own alternatives. But first, we'll be going to start. And then you have the Cool Ranch chips. The cool Ranch chips. Cool we have Ranch. Cool Ranch, still, yeah, okay. cool cool. Ranch Doritos right here. What are you going to season the meat with, though? It's right here, good old salt and pepper. Salt and pepper, okay, okay. Good old, good old salt and pepper, because you remember, mm -hmm. usually, now you can do your meat with the taco sauce too, you know. Get the, the taco seasoning. The something. taco seasoning, okay. something like that. You can do that, but I didn't do that today for the sake of time. Okay, okay. And just, you know, okay. again, we are dining while broke. The average yeah. student may not have that extra, you know, Let's $2.99 to go out and get the thing. So first, what we're going to do, we're using this ground up turkey. Mm -hmm. We're going to put that in here first. Yep, in the Pot's already hot. And it's already hot, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this together because you want the meat to be really, you don't want it to be in clumps, you know what I mean? You want it yeah. to spread out. Yeah. Get this right here. Once I chop this up, we get started on getting our cheese together. Do you want me, let me go ahead and help you. I'll open the cheese. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you can be my assistant. I'll be your assistant. See, I, see I'm using my daughter is usually my assistant. Well, oh. you know, actually, she's gotten to the point where she's doing the whole thing. I usually just give her directions, and I'll stand back and kind of look. And she said, no, Dad, you're too critical. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, so this is my first time for all you listeners uh, that I've actually ever used Velveeta cheese. Um, I actually did not know if this was in the refrigerated section or not, and it's actually not in the refrigerated section. Nope, you can find that right, right on the shelf. So, dude, so I put, I put the Velveeta cheese on the chopping block. On the block. cutting board, and I'm going to cut this up right now, right there. I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah, so my envisioning of Velveeta cheese was like this melted, gooey thing, but I guess that's the end result of what you're about to do with the Velveeta cheese. Yes, I am. Can we turn this up somewhere? Yeah, so your burner for this is this one. Yeah, you're right. So you can turn it up. You want to turn it up just a little bit so we can get okay. some heat on there. We're going to put some salt and pepper on there. You know, you got to have some seasoning. Yeah, of course. And nothing beats good old-fashioned salt and pepper. Make yeah, sure. I, I've had chefs on the show, and I used to think salt was something that seasons things, but he had told us that salt is what brings out the flavor. Yeah, salt is what actually brings out the flavor. Like, if you're cooking steak at home, just another side note, I see people going to all of these um, different little seasonings and stuff. The best seasoning for steak is good old salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning because I'm definitely one of those people that see the steak, the steak seasoning sauce, and I dump the steak in it. Massage and go marinate, baby. All right. Now, while this is cooking. Okay. While this cut, is cooking. Chop up our Velveeta right here. I'm going to chop this up right here. Mm -hmm. Get this right here. We don't need a whole bunch of this. We probably have a half a pack of this left over, and that's for when you want, you know, some more big steel nachos or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Once you start making them, whatever your name is, they'll be your version of nachos. Like, when you make them, you can call them Colleen's. Colleen's nachos. I'm going to keep, keep the steel nachos. I like it. Now, uh, Velveeta cheese, is that real cheese? Yes, it is real cheese. Well, how come it wasn't in the refrigerated section? Well, that's something you're going to have to call and ask Kraft and these other companies. I don't know how they do it, but I just know it's nice and convenient. Okay. And you get like a, I'm going to show you the purpose of the milk because you get a nice little cream oh, texture. Oh, here's your here's their milk. You know, you want to cut this. I'm trying to be an assistant. Oh, you are. You're doing a great job. We want to have this, get our cheese together. Okay, so for all y'all listeners, he's chopping up the Velveeta cheese into like little triangles. Yeah, it is. And that's the way, you know, you pour your milk in, right? So you pour the milk into the pot? Yeah, right in here. You see that's right there? Pouring this in there. Mm -hmm. And we start adding this into there, right? And you know, with the um, cheese, you want to stir as it goes along, right? Mm -hmm. You want to stir this, keep stirring because, and you want to do this in the prefer, preferably a non-stick pot because it can be something else to try to clean up. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. It sticks to the pan, right? Mm -hmm. Sticks to the pan. Okay, so you got the milk. You have the carnation milk with the Velveeta cheese, and then you're going to stir it. Yeah, I'm going to stir it. And add more cheese as I go along. I may even need it even cheesier, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get something like this. I'm going to turn this up a little bit. Where is this at? Right here? I think it's this one. This one right yeah. here? You want to turn it up to like five? I'm going to turn it up to like a little bit. Like, let's put some heat on there. Oh, eight. Like right there, yeah. Okay, we don't okay, want to okay. be here all day waiting for now, some cheese are, to cook. Are we going to bring this to a boil or we're just trying to see it all mesh together? We're just trying to see it all mesh together. Okay. Like, you know, when it goes to a little bit, it won't really boil. Mm -hmm. It won't really come to a boil like that, but you want to get it warm enough to where it melts the cheese. You know what okay. I mean? We want to have a nice, smooth, 
cream. We want to have a nice, smooth, you don't want it with lumps in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We want to eat some nachos with big lumps in it, you know? Now, what do you say to those people that uh, believe, that use the nacho cheese that's in the jar? Is that the same or? They can use that too. It's whatever, okay. whatever fits you. If you find some nice nacho cheese that you're a fan of that comes in the jar or whatever, you can use that too, even better, even quicker. Okay. Because but you, you came up with the Velveeta cheese. Yeah, I came up with the Velveeta cheese. I just thought it added a different level to it. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I even put a little bit of pepper in mine. I don't put no salt because cheese already has enough sodium in it mm -hmm. to where you don't want to make it too salty, you know? Yeah. You don't want to have it to where it's too salty or whatever. Mm -hmm. You want to do this and have it to where it's not stuck together. And then another thing we want to start warming up to next, we start while all this is getting together, we start getting our refried beans together. Oh, okay, okay. Because you want these to have a nice little texture to them because you know refried beans are normally stiff, right? Mm -hmm. You want to get them to where they kind of like, you know, smooth. Not too stiff, but smooth, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're going to put these in here. You see how these come out? Yeah, like it looks like right a there. can of uh, cat food. Yeah, it looks like a can of cat food, but it's not going to look that way by the time I'm finished. Well, you got to show love to your are you, food. Are you, know? you laughing behind your mask? Hmm? I think, I think Jared's laughing behind the mask. Because I refer to it as a can of cat food. Well, it's not going to taste like no cat food when I'm done with it. So you got to put a lot of love into do your you, cooking. Do you need uh, this burner turned up too? A little bit? Yeah, we can. We can turn it up a little bit. So you don't have to add anything to the refried beans. You just have to heat it. You just got to heat them up. Okay. You just got to heat them up. And that's more so to get a little bit smooth because you see how it came out the can. Who would want to eat that out the can like that? No, definitely. No, not and anything see, that looks like that. It has just enough fluid already to where you don't have to add oh, anything. Oh, look at that. You know, it's going to get nice, nice and smooth. I always get, I don't know enough about beans. I always get nervous cooking with beans because I don't really know if they're like, if it's like, Kind of how you're doing it where you can heat it and it becomes something you can eat. Yeah, it is. And you're not going to even be able to tell they was, they was out of a can. Let me get a, get a napkin over here. Keep your work area clean. You know, you don't yes. want to have a lot of stuff going on. You want to keep your work area clean and be safe. Mm -hmm. We are not responsible for anybody out there that burns their fingers while they're doing this. <laughs> and you want to make sure whether you're using turkey. I know me, if I'm using turkey or ground beef, I want this to be nice and brown when I get yes. it. You know what I mean? I want it to be nice and brown mm -hmm. so it can have that flavor. And we're using turkey today, ground turkey. Yeah. For those health-conscious people out there, you know, that want to get nice and swole like me and in ultimate shape like me and, and Colleen is. I'm just joking. I need to lose a good 30 pounds. You know what? It's funny. Whenever you're in that 20-pound, 30-pound range, it's like a part of my brain when I'm trying to lose anything that's under 20 pounds. It's like, I'll get to it eventually you know but i guess if it was like 50 or 100 pounds i feel like there would be a little bit more urgency on losing it yeah it is i got to give a shout out to my wife she loses weight and stays in shape better than anybody else i know she's a pescatarian uh, which means she only eats fish see look i'm spilling stuff see look this can something. get messy do you need more cheese because yeah i'm gonna put some more cheese in there okay and that's, that's the thing. You want to put, you don't want to start off with too much, mm -hmm. but you want to put just enough so you can add more into it to your liking. Now, I want this a little bit thicker, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to add some more cheese to this here, right I'll here. Cut, I'll cut up your cheese. Yeah, cut me some cheese up right there. See, look, 
Colleen is pulling double duty today as the chef to big, you know, as assistant to chef Big Steel. Just, just so a little you, bit more. Just so you know, I I actually don't co-help. This is my first time, so I hope you like these uh, co-chef services that you're getting. They're perfect. It's going to turn out that way. You get some credit oh. on the Big Steel nachos today. You know, there we go. Tell your daughter to move over. Watch out now. You, you got another assistant on the scene. Do you need more cheese? Yeah, let me get some more. Oh, wow. Your we, cheese looks cheesy. Yeah, we could turn this down now. Now that we got this, this is it right here. Mm-hmm. Turn that down right here. Put this in there. So we put you on a timer. So you have like 60 seconds left. I'm trying to see if you can make Steel's nachos in under 10 minutes. 60 seconds left. I don't you got know. 60 seconds. If he was on a cook... A cooking, cooking show. show, I would lose. You think you would lose? I wouldn't. You know what? I want them to be right. Okay, okay. I want them to be. I want them to taste good. I don't want you to look at them and they just look good. Cause see, some of that stuff on these shows look good, but it tastes nasty. You ever seen a plate of food that's plated and it got the nice little garnishings and everything yeah. around it, but you eat it and you're like, man, what yes. is this, man? Yes. Tastes like some stuff they scrape from the bottom of the pot or something. Yes. No, when I cook, is it's. It, when I cook, actually, we could turn this off right now. We go stirring this in because we got enough heat going on in there right now. Heat on which one? The meat? Yeah, no, on this right here. You want to turn it off? Yeah, we could turn this off okay, right here. Perfect. We good. We just go turn it off and stir. Okay. And then, do you want me to stir the beans? Yeah, please. You can stir the beans. That'll make us even help you. I don't know if it gets me off camera, but I'm sure y'all got that. Okay, beans look stir ready. So we just want to make sure those are nice and warm. Now, do you typically add water to the beans or do you let them be this thick? You know what? I'd like to add a little bit of water. So what we could do today is I actually have some water right here that, Look, I, it's that, ready. that, that I didn't Stay drink ready. out of. That little bit. We want to add just a little bit. You know, like okay. we add a little bit. So while I'm, like you stir as I pour. Oh, okay. Trying. Okay, that's good, I that's, think. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm learning the bean game now. Because it gets them a little bit smoother. That way, when yeah. you're putting them on the nachos, they're not all just clumped up in one place. And one dude eat a nacho, be like, man, I got all beans on here. I ain't getting no meat, hardly. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure your stuff. You see how the cheese is smooth now? Mm-hmm. See how the cheese is smooth now? Cheese looks like nacho and cheese. And see, we are actually now, what we do is we can actually start plating our nachos. Okay. Oh, okay. I get it. I got it. Uh, I can do that if you want to. What? Play the nachos? Yeah, where's our plate for our nachos? What plate are we using? We can use this These, one right here. Well, I, I didn't know if you were going to pour it oh, into you know the bowl what? and do the whole nacho thing, or if you want to do like... Well, you know what? Let's put them on a plate. That way they're evened out. You know what I mean? That way okay. even out. We could plate them. We, we, could, we could do... You mind if I touch yeah, your... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So we're gonna... And everybody can eat off of there. Okay. And, and then, of course, just for... No, nah, no. Nah, let's do both. Oh, you want to do... So you want to do two That's how we do it. That's how we do it on our show. Okay, cool. Perfect. Okay, I got let's my little nachos. More, let's get some more chips on there. Um, on which one? Yours? On both of them. Like, spread them out. You think we're going to eat all these chips? We're trying to save nachos. No, we might have the, some of the, the guests crew, here that the, the crew. crew may want to eat some. You know what I mean? All right. So, we got a good-looking nacho plate. Good. All right. So, now, what do we add next? All right. So, we go turn these off right now. Mm -hmm. we're, done, we're done with these right here. All right. The first thing we're going to add now, right now, is our beans. Oh, okay. We're going to add beans. Then we're going to add our cheese. Then we're going to add everything else on top of it because those are our two hottest things, right? But when do you add the meat then? I got you. Probably. Okay. Okay. Let me sit back and watch some magic happen. Probably. All right. So Probably. the cooking part's done, everybody. The cooking part is done. 
and everything is turned off. I want to make sure. But these are still hot again. Mm -hmm. Everybody at home in the studio, audience, be careful. I don't want to hear about nobody's fingers getting burnt off. Okay. We want to do this. We want to have it to where it's like a, uh, a saucy type. A nice and saucy type of thing right here, right here. All right. You want to be kind of like to where you spread them around a little mm -hmm. bit. To where you spread them around to where it's like, because you want to taste, hopefully, a little bit of everything in every bite, right? Mm -hmm. And we just put that right there. To see what I usually do is toss them nachos up so it could be kind of like, all mixed in together? All mixed in kind of Oh, together. like you do it in a bag or something? Yeah, you can do it with your hands, however you do. Because oh, okay. these are going to be your nachos. So you could do however you want to. But I wouldn't be want nobody putting their hands in my nachos. No, no. Just pick your one chip and exit the plate. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> That's the name of the game when you share nachos, right? You don't be all around your plate. I do that if there's guac on there, though. I'll reach over and... You know, and, and we could have some, you could we definitely have some guacamole. Well, I just eating while broke, so I get it. Yeah, because everybody may not be able to afford that. You know, guacamole is sometimes can be expensive, mm -hmm. depending on the season it's in. So we got enough of that right now. Yeah, perfect. So this is just this, for sure. The next thing, the cheese? The next thing we're doing is the cheese right here, right? Then you pour the meat on after that. Put the meat on after that right there. See how smooth that is oh, right wow. there? See how smooth that is right there? That looks great. You pour it on there and you know, you, you want to have a little bit everywhere, nice and cheesy, you know? Mm -hmm. Nice and cheesy. You want to put this on there. See, since Colleen's the host, I'm going to make hook it up and make sure she got cheese in every sector, in every oh. crevice. Well, you know what? I'm going to be the host uh, asking you a lot of questions in a little bit. So hopefully right. my cheese won't get too cold. Then. We start off with the meat. Start with the meat in there. We want this to be nice and green. Green, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. to where you don't have two big, bigger clumps. Mm -hmm. This looks really good. Oh, it's going to be the, the bomb. I'm one of those people that I go to uh, Taco Bell. Well, I used to go to Taco Bell a lot, and my order was always the nachos Bell Grande. And these that was like my go-to. These killing the next is by Bell Grande. It's kind of like a... Uh, you can make these as much as you want to. You can put the guacamole on there. You can mm -hmm. put the sour cream. And see, now, what we're doing right now, we got some of these right there. We got some sauce. We always want to make sure. Oh, I opened it a little bit. Oh, it's cool. Just no, make sure. I mean, it's going to spill out when you shake it. No, it's cool. That's why I got my hand over the top. Are you all about the NBA action? You gotta try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. 
One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists, like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupree, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Like Pastor Troy doing the ad-libs for one of Justin Timberlake's biggest hits. Whenever you listen to Cry Me a River, man, I'm all through them ad-libs on that song. It's that one, one, Cry Me a River, ah. Y'all hear this, man? to it, man. And what if I told you Jazzy Faye and CeeLo have an unreleased album just sitting in the vault waiting? Now, you and CeeLo had a group for a minute, man. Yeah, we had a whole album in the can. We got a, we have a whole album. 
now have partnered with iHeart Podcast to bring you one of the hottest podcasts in the game, telling you some of the most unheard stories in the music industry. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Legit, man. Oh, yeah, we're not playing no games in here today. So how often would you eat this? You know what? The last time I had these was maybe probably a month and a half ago. It's not something I eat every day because this can. It's good, but it's something that, that can kind of get you on. Um, Bigger? Oh, yeah, you can get gain weight <laughs> eating this. You definitely go gain some weight. You eat nachos every day. Especially nachos like this. But I mean, this thing looks beautiful with the red. Okay, so we added the salsa. The jalapenos are optional. Yeah, the jalapenos are optional. I'm going to skip the jalapenos. See, she's going to skip the jalapenos. I'm going to put a couple of them on there. And we got a fork right here. I don't want a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. I don't want a whole bunch of them. Hold on, I forgot, almost forgot about this right here. The trusty sour cream. The sour cream is thick, mm -hmm. and just for show purposes, yeah, I'm gonna put you some clumps around there. You can always put some dip. clumps, yeah. I'm put you some clumps. Yo, around this there. smells and looks way better than my nachos bel grande. On this show, I have so many guests be like, "I want you to try it first. I'm like, no, 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 we See, try look, it together. I found me a perfect one with a nice combination of salsa, cheese, and everything else. First of all, this too good. Outstanding. First of all, I gotta get it with the cheese on it. This is outstanding. You want me to? I can always. Want some more cheese? Hell yeah. You want more cheese? Hell yeah. So let me just tell you, listeners, about this cheese. I've had the nacho cheese in a can. Definitely nasty compared to this cheese. I've never had Velveeta cheese. I've never even thought to mix it with carnation milk, but this cheese is amazing. That's the key to it, the it's, carnation milk. The flavor is absolutely nuts. I, I wish I could take this home without it, like, getting the chip soggy. Well, you know what? Usually what we would do is I would get a big, um, like, a kind of platter tray, mm -hmm. spread the notches across there. And I would put the beans on there, and I would, and I would wear plastic gloves at home when I cook, and I would kind of just, you don't want to tear the nachos up, but you would kind of just, mm -hmm. to where so every bite that you get is like a, um, an experience. An experience. you got all these different flavors of explosion of flavors in here. And see, the thing is. I can't stress how amazing these nachos are. Like, Jared, I wish you'd come over here and eat some of this, Drew. Katie. All right. Oh, we have plenty for them afterwards. We have plenty for them afterwards. Um, this is amazing. All right, my last bite, and then I can. They're addictive. And that's why you don't eat these every day because you'll mess around. It's kind of like I almost made my fried deviled eggs. What? So let me just tell you a little backstory. So Norm and I have been trying to tape with each other for months. Norm, come on. We were trying to work our schedules together. Then I was like, Norm, what do you want to make? His first option for me, everybody, was meatloaf. And I was, he was like, have you ever had meatloaf? I'm like, uh, 
if I did, I don't think I ever remembered the experience, but I didn't want meatloaf. And I was like, I'm sure, Norm, you have something else. He was like, oh, what about these nachos? And I was like, that's a great idea. But now, while we're here, you offer me deviled eggs. Yeah, fried deviled eggs. I've never had that. It's like, um, those are pretty much like the traditional deviled eggs, except you got a twist on them. You cutting that egg whites in half, you cutting them in half, you put your um your the yolk in the bowl, right? Mm-hmm. When it's done, when it's cooked, right? You take those halves, you dip them in a little bit of flour, then you dip them in some egg white, then you put them in the breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs, you put them in a skillet deep fryer, hopefully with a little um one of the little scoops, put them in there, maybe 10 seconds, take them out, let them dry on you know, paper towels, napkins, you know, absorb the oil. Then, you know, like traditional deviled eggs, you put the eggs in the basket, whip them up, put some Miracle Whip in there, some sweet relish, nice sweet and tangy relish, a little bit, a little bit of, you know, cayenne, just a little taste of cayenne pepper, just so it has that little bite to it. Then you want to get the bacon, you, but you want a specific kind of bacon. You want the bacon that has, um, like the sweet bacon, like the hickory with the hickory taste, and or you could put a, you cheat them, you can put a little bit of syrup on them. When you're cooking the bacon, right? Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother story, though. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, when you come back, fried devil eggs will be the option. I definitely will hook it up. Those take long. You can't be putting me under no stipulations with that, though, Colin. No, these nachos are amazing, but I really want to know your backstory on mm-hmm. how you got to Gangster Chronicles and mm-hmm. where you're at today. Okay. Now, you said you were in college when you were eating these. Mm-hmm. So tell me, like, a little bit about your background, like. Okay. What were you doing in college? Well, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I was a guy like a lot of other athletes, especially in that area, to where I didn't have the academic portion together out of high school. So a lot of opportunities I had coming out of high school, I couldn't take advantage of because mm-hmm. I didn't have a grade. So I wound up coming out here to Long Beach City College. It was the choice between either me coming here to attend school or going to Coffeeville in Kansas. Okay. And they actually had scholarships in Coffeeville, Kansas, dorms and everything. But anybody that knows about Coffeeville, Kansas, knows it's not exactly the sexiest destination on the planet. Yeah. So I chose to come out here to California. I came out here when I was 17 years old. Uh, thanks to Coach Will Shaw, good mentor of mine, still the man that's in my life today. Me and his son are best friends. So I played football at Long Beach City College. From there, I got a scholarship to New Mexico State University. Um, I met my wife while I was at Long Beach City College, so I wound up toying around playing professional football in the CFL and Arena Football League for a few years. Mm -hmm. That really wasn't my thing. So I came back home. You know, I had a son already, so I wanted to be in my son's life. It's not like I was making millions of dollars playing arena football. Mm -hmm. So I had to make a choice. I came home and started kind of integrating into the real world. Mm -hmm. Always had a love for music. Mm -hmm. You know, my family full of musicians, right? So I was always had this love for music. So I wound up somehow through one of my friends, Mario Higuera, I wound up getting involved in the music business. Mm-hmm. Distribution at first, um, we were going out to some conventions, you know, conventions that they had back then, such as Jack the Rapper and all this different stuff. And then we wound up going out to a convention called Middle. That's where all the distributors meet up worldwide. From there, I met one of my, um, like the guy that would become a mentor to me in the music industry, Don Rumpello. He mm-hmm. was from the UK. Wound up doing a lot of business with them. So I started distributing a lot of records here from the United States to overseas. Mm-hmm. Our company did $2 million our first year. 
Wow. We did. And you, when you say our company, like your own, your own company? Yeah, we had our own distributor. Okay. We had our own distributor, and we were distributing the albums. We were distributing the Dog Pounds albums mm -hmm. through my boy Big A. Shout out to my partner Big A. Mm -hmm. We were doing Dash, Dealer, Exerted, Corrupt, all mm -hmm. those guys overseas. Dang, I haven't heard Corrupt's name in so long. But then what happened was mm -hmm. we had this strange little thing to where the record company started kind of tripping on people selling what was called mixtapes. Mm -hmm. That's when you had the whole thing that went down with DJ Drama. And even though we were selling legal content, you know, we were selling legal content, we wasn't bootlegging nothing. These were these artists' albums. The record companies was like, man, we're not getting our cut off that shit. So they start shutting everything down. So wait, how are you able to get the record without the label? You were selling legal records, but but you were getting the material from the artists? without yeah, from, the, from the artists. But without the label's involvement? Without the label's involvement. You know, the average artist only is getting 25 cents a CD, so they got to try to find ways outside yeah. of touring to make money. So we were doing this stuff, and I was doing some other people that were independent, too. Those weren't the problem. The one, the stuff that was selling a bunch of records was the stuff that came from the record companies. Mm -hmm. So I kind of saw the writing on the wall with that. But through me starting to release more material that was kind of proprietary to me, mm -hmm. I was clearing a sample one day, and I called this company, Minder Music, hey, we want to get this sample cleared, you know? We're going to pay to get this sample cleared. They started asking a bunch of questions like, well, who is the artist? Who is this? Who wrote this? Who wrote that? And I was like, well, I did this and I did that. So they wound up um, meeting with me in L.A. and we wound up doing a publishing deal. Wow. Because I was a writer. And, um, that was, that was your first publishing deal? Yeah. So I did wow. wound up doing a publishing deal okay. with them. On top of that, they told me some goals that they had as far as expanding into the United States because this company had a huge catalog. They had, like, the regional rights to, like, the fall, some of the Beatles catalog. So they had, you know, um, the Gap Band. They had a lot of um, catalog, right? So what wound up happening is from there they said, hey, Norm, we want to open up an office here in the States. Mm -hmm. Would you run that office? But But you're... At this point, you're assigned to them as almost like an artist, right? As a, pub, a publishing, as a writer, yeah. As a writer. Mm -hmm. So, and then to to backtrack just a little bit, can you break down what a publishing deal looks like to just the average listener? Well, a publishing deal is someone they come to you. It could be you. Mm -hmm. You can come to someone and say, "Hey, I want to participate in your publishing rights." I'm going to advance you a certain amount of money based on what I think it is you're worth. They may say, "Okay." I'm going to give you $250,000, mm -hmm. and we're going to share in 20%. We're going to do a co-pub deal, which means me and you going straight down the middle. You get 25%, I get 25%. Okay. I, you get 50%, I get 50%. And in turn, they're usually people that are able to take your music to different places to work those assets. Okay. So I wound up working with them for maybe six years. Mm -hmm. um, I wound up becoming the head of Urban Music. Mm -hmm. um, the first... Record that we actually got placed wound up going platinum. It was Ice Cream Paint Job. Okay. Shout out to my little partner, Too Much. That was the first producer I ever signed. Okay. He wound up going platinum out the gate. Um, but I started having issues with the publishing company because I brought some artists in there that I feel could have been really revolutionized music. I bought Kendrick Lamar in when he was just going by K-Dot. Oh, okay. They said no. I bought Jay. I bought actually all the TDE in there. They told me no. Okay. So I kind of was feeling some kind of way about that because I said, well, you know, you give me this job and but I'm you're bringing not like, you people. You're not giving me the support to yeah. run it. I pretty much had a yeah. pen with no ink. Yeah. They let me do too much because that deal was cheap mm -hmm. in comparison. And TDE wasn't asking for a whole lot of money at that time, not comparing to what you would have got.
Yeah, yeah. You know, had we did that deal, we would all probably be sitting on top of the hill somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So they, so you ended up walking. I ended up walking, and I was young back then, and kind of arrogant. If I had to do all over again, I would handle it a little differently. Mm-hmm. But see, I wound up walking away. Now, when you say arrogant, was do you feel like your pride took over, and you were like, I can, I can make money on my own, so I'm good? It was one of those things, and I had a lot of people at that time offer me jobs in other houses. Like, I had Cobalt offer me a job. Mm-hmm. I had Bug Music offer me a job. I had different, like, you know, different publishing companies offer me a job because... Everybody wants the black guy that's connected to the streets. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they want the black guy that can go to every, anybody's studio session and just kind of pop up. Okay. And they were willing to support. But what I didn't know is you're only good for one of those other jobs when you're working the other job. Once you're gone, they don't know if you got fired. They don't know what it is. Wow. They're not trying to investigate why. So all those same people that was blowing up my phone, you know, five, six months earlier, they wasn't around no more. So I had to figure out some stuff. So what I started doing is my friend at that time, Glasses Malone, he was hot as fish grease in the streets. Like, he was hot. He was um, he was in games camp at the mm-hmm. time. He was running around the Black Wall Street camp. So, And me and him were always friends. I started helping him more and more because he was new. He was an incredible rapper, but he didn't know the songwriting. Mm-hmm. So... Glasses had this situation. He was running around with Black Wall Street with mm-hmm. gaming them, and he had became the hottest guy in the streets. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a song called 300 that it went crazy on the radio, and at that time, his brother Pooh was managing them, mm-hmm. and um, he was signed to Sony. He had signed a million-dollar deal with Sony Music. Wow. And um, Sony, one day, decided that they were getting rid of their urban department. He had an album that was already completely done, finished, you know, Wyclef, Gene, uh, whole bunch of different people on there, Manny Fresh on the production, DJ Toon. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a real album. So in the process of the label, deciding they was getting rid of the urban music department, he became a free agent. They let him walk away with the money and the album. What? So it was a lot of people awesome. calling. So Mac 10 from Cat from um, Who Banging Records, he wanted to sign glasses, but he wanted to do it through Cash Money Records. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know what, we got somebody from the West still kind of in the picture versus us just dealing directly with cash money. So we did that deal and it turned out good. Birdman paid everything that Birdman and Mac took care of us. It wasn't none of the discrepancies that you hear about with the other artists or whatever. Yeah. And actually, you guys still, did you own most of your publishing or did you have to yeah, share it with Yeah, Glass is always on this plenty of publishing. Oh. We didn't, I made sure that we didn't do those deals unless they was coming with a bunch of money. Okay. So the cool part about it is we wound up signing the cash money now, remember I told you earlier about Glasses and his record-making ability. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest rappers in the world at that time. But song structure-wise, he has dope songs, but you know, you're trying to you know, hit on some Drake shit. You ain't trying to come out and just have some shit that's right here. You want to go right here. Yeah. So he got a lot better at what it was he was doing, and the situation with Cash Money didn't quite work out because they were talking about pushing the album back. And at that time, Glasses didn't know no better. None of us knew any better. We probably should have just deal with their asses to and push the record back. Glasses was like, no, I want to, I want my record to come out. I want to release. So we wound up getting a release from Cash Money and wound up releasing the album through somebody else. Even though it was technically still through mm-hmm. Cash Money, it wasn't through Universal anymore. It was through somebody else. So that album did what it did. I think we might have wound up doing 50,000 units, which is not that much, yeah. you know, for the caliber of artists he was. But... 
that kind of took us through like this soul searching period to mm-hmm. where we really start locking in the studio. Like Glasses went to learn how to play the bass guitar. Mm-hmm. He learned how to play the guitar. He really got in his music, started playing drums. Would you say at that point you guys hit, do you think you hit like a kind of rock bottom? when, Or was it like a reality check? Because you're, oh, I, yeah, it, it sounds cool. like you guys were like so confident. And in the record, you know, you, you went against, you went against Cash Money's decision. And then the reality was the record didn't do as well as. The record didn't do as well. When if we, we would listen to and, Baby and Mac 10, we'd have been fine. And, and you think. Do you think at that point it was a timing thing or do you think it was like the record just wasn't there or maybe you went with the wrong single? Well, the thing was, we didn't have no records there. We was trying to guess. It's like we had dope records. Don't get me wrong. These records were incredible, but they wasn't records that fit in Glass's lane. Like Glass was still trying to figure out who he was as an artist. Okay, okay. Like, so, you know, when you're looking at everybody else that's popping, when you look at Tune, which is Mm -hmm. Wayne, what works for Wayne ain't going to necessarily work for Glass's. So, and Wayne had a, a, a people look at Wayne now, but Wayne's been around for such a long time. He was, and, and he, he went through an evolution process as an artist himself. Exactly, and Wayne was going stupid at that time. Mm-hmm. It's like I remember we went to um, Vegas to uh, for the lollipop video, mm-hmm. and I remember Birdman just standing on the side of the bus saying, "Yeah, Wayne sold a million copies this week," and I was just like, "God damn." Yeah. This dude is actually the baddest motherfucker on the planet right now. Yeah. Wayne is just such a cool motherfucker. He's not mm-hmm. how we in here talking right now. That's how Wayne is. He's going to come by and introduce himself to you and mm-hmm. shake your hand, shake your hand, introduce mm-hmm. himself. He's going to shake everybody in your hand, and he's going to treat everybody from the janitor to the manager of the place the same way. I So I used to have a, a magazine, and I had the opportunity to, Lil Wayne, I think, dropped the Lollipop record around that time. And I remember I worked a lot with Universal Records, but I do remember it being like if you wanted to interview Wayne, it was completely up to Wayne. Like they had no control over anything that that camp did. It was just kind of like they were so thankful to even be able to distribute. They just didn't mess with the process. But I could not get Wayne unless I had a Wayne direct contact at the time. It was like you couldn't go through a label to book an interview with Wayne. No, Tune is doing what Tune want to do. Yeah, it wasn't even an option. They didn't even, they were just like, yeah, we don't, we don't have access. Because to it's that. not like he needs to cover your magazine. It's not like he needs yeah. you to play a song on the radio. If you look at, if you look at Wayne's influence today on mm-hmm. the music industry, you have, what's the kid's name? Uh, the kid from Philly's name. Uh, Will? No, the, look, no, they talk about younger rappers now. Um, what, what's oh, my guy's name? First of all, I don't, I don't even listen to mumble rappers. I call oh, them no. mumble rappers. See, we, we ain't gonna start new, dissing nobody. I, I, we're not dissing, but huh? I do not mess with young. The guy that had that song, um, short guy, um, he has a big record. But anyway, if you look at everybody, Plies? not no. Plies, the kids from Philly, I think. If you look at everybody from Young Thug. To the other rappers today, everybody has Wayne's influence written yeah, all yeah. over. But Wayne is a, I will say that. But Wayne is, I don't, I don't even consider him a, a rapper. He is a full stream. He's he's almost on the level of her right now, or Gabby Wilson, because oh, yeah. he 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 really is all encompassing art music. Like yeah. He, he, he like music. plays different instruments. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's his own body of art. Yeah, the only guy I know that can co- even compare to him, kind of like as a level on the level of artistry he's on, is probably Kendrick. And Kendrick is a guy I've known since he was sixteen years old, and I saw him go through his evolution. 
but he just figured it out hell of early. Like, I remember one day he was in the studio when he made that transition. He was over at Top Dog Studio in Carson. They had a studio behind the house that was just in the back. And I remember him saying one day, like, because he went through a period where he was sounding just like Wayne for a minute. He was releasing mixtapes, and he sounded just like Wayne. Then he said one day, like, you know what? I'm just going to be Kendrick. Like, I'm going to be who I am. And his music just kind of changed. And he was always incredible. But then you saw him just kind of just go... And be himself. It's just like it's some special people. So being around these special people, Glass has said, man, I want to be one of these special people. So he really just evolved, mm -hmm. like, on his level. And he has a level of truth and honesty to his records that may piss some people off. Like, when we did the Tupac Must Die record, for those that really didn't listen to the record, there was a lot of people pissed off about that mm -hmm. record. They were just really mad. Just off the name. Just off the name <laughs> alone. But what Glass has realized is that it has to be more than just a song and a story or nobody's going to look at it, listen mm -hmm. to it. Nobody's going to pay attention to the video. Nobody's going to look at it. So even if you look at the, his last single, Kanye shouldn't have married that bitch, wrong language. Mm -hmm. But he knew that would catch people's attention. Yeah, yeah. Even though it wasn't nothing that really degrading off of Kim or whatever, it was just a song about a scandalous-ass girl. Mm -hmm. And he titled it Kanye. So he figured out the whole thing. Like, if Glasses wasn't a rapper, I think in another life he would probably be one of the biggest marketing guys in the country. Right it now. sounds like he's good at marketing. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yeah. This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk relatable stories and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points, 
and in goes. But as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. From the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This your boy Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupree, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Like Pastor Troy doing the ad-libs for one of Justin Timberlake's biggest hits. Whenever you listen to Cry Me a River, man, I'm all through them ad-libs on that song. It's that one line, one line, cry me a river, ah. Y'all hear this? Listen to it, man. And what if I told you Jazzy Faye and CeeLo have an unreleased album just sitting in the vault waiting? Now you and CeeLo had a group for a minute, man. Yeah, we had a whole album in the can. We got a, we have a whole album. Now I have partnered with iHeart Podcast to bring you one of the hottest podcasts in the game, telling you some of the most unheard stories in the music industry. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. You probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you, to talk about why I feel that cancer to a certain extent is a gift, what my responsibilities are as a person with cancer, because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together we'll find it. It's gonna be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So at this point, you're managing glasses. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so then how do we get all the way? I'm trying to get to where you're okay, at today with Gangsta. Okay. This is all the story. So me managing glasses and figuring out who he is as a man, he's an opinionated dude. and He's a contrarian as well. Mm-hmm. Anything you have to say, he's going to have an argument against it <laughs> or maybe for it, but he's going to really, and he's going to debate you in an intellectual capacity. He's, we don't deal with emotion. Mm-hmm. We're just going to tell you the truth straight out. This is what it is, right? So okay. with that being said, I've started really getting big in the talk radio. I was listening to a lot of talk radio, you know, just because when you work in the music industry, you don't want to hear music all day. You love music, but you just want to get away from that shit. So I started listening to a lot of different people, and I said, glasses. I heard this thing people are doing called a podcast, and at this time, there were probably only like 30 or 40 people doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. You figure this is maybe this is maybe 2018. Okay. And we're like, man, so we went and talked to our boy Ski over at... um. DJ Ski? Yeah, DJ Ski. Oh, DJ Ski, I ain't heard that name in so yeah, long. Yeah, we want to at Ski because Ski had a company, still has a company called, um, he has this little app that he has, right? Mm-hmm. So we were up there recording Glasses podcast. Yeah. 
Of course, glasses didn't do it consistently. Mm-hmm. We would do one or two episodes, then I'd come show up to his loft to do it, and he wouldn't be there. Just wait for me, bro. I'll be there in 30 minutes. 30 minutes turned to two hours. You know how you wear those glasses. But anyway, Remember, I'm dealing with glasses right now. I'm hoping, yeah, that, I'm hoping we can lock him in. These will come in. He'll be here. <laughs> trust me. So we go through this thing where we're doing these podcasts, mm-hmm. right? And Glasses' podcast, actually, it was called The Unpopular Opinion. Mm-hmm. It actually started catching people, but then we went on this hiatus with it. Then that's when I said, you know what? Fuck this. I went full on in the podcast, and I decided to start Digital Soapbox Media. At that time, I didn't really want to do a podcast. I had plans on doing one, but I wanted to get this off the ground. I was like, I, I figured out the business model of it, right? So I had a friend that worked at CBS. Mm-hmm. He said, send me an air check tape. So I sent him glasses show. He loved it. So now we got this deal with CBS at the time, which is probably the worst deal in the history of podcasts. And it was like, I think we was getting something like 30%. Mm-hmm. They was paying for the studio time on certain shows, right? But on other shows they didn't pick up, I had to cover that studio time, right? Oh, so wow. I had these shows, and I had an idea a year earlier about a show called Gangster Chronicles. I said, dude, I want to do a show about people. I didn't. Want, I wanted it to be a crime show, but I wanted to show the opposite effect of it. I just didn't want to be out there like everybody else, kind of like glorifying some shit because it looks cool. Yeah. I wanted to tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and show that it is the light at the end of the tunnel. So we started the Gangster Chronicles. I said, we need to get a real street dude. If we could find a guy that worked in law enforcement, and we got to have a square. Mm-hmm. I played the square for the first five episodes. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I was looking at moving to Atlanta. Because, you know, I'm in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is really cracking in ATL. I want to go down there. And plus, your money just stretched further. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife had actually went down there and actually was in the process of moving to a house, and I was going to rent my house out to a friend out here. So that didn't happen. I wound up staying. So in the course of that, I wound up hiring somebody to replace me as the square. The square is just the moderator on Gangster Chronicles. Okay. He's not really the star. He's like the guy that kind of keeps the conversation flowing because you got two guys in there. Is that the reason why you call him the square, or is it because you didn't have, like, a gangster background? Yeah, because you don't have no gang affiliation. Okay, okay. It had to be somebody to be neutral. Like, okay. we didn't want nobody in there that was like, you know, may have been a crip or a blood or whatever, because they couldn't come from a really, they, they they couldn't come from a subjective place. You feel what I'm saying? They would always be about their hood or whatever. So we brought this other guy in. Um, the whole thing was with that show, we knew that one of the hosts, Reggie Wright, was going to be had to turn himself in. Mm-hmm. He got caught up in some stuff with his marijuana dispensary mm-hmm. or whatever. And he he didn't know what kind of time he was gonna get. He didn't know what he was whether he was gonna get a year or twenty years. We didn't know what them people was talking about, right? So luckily he wound up getting a year. So we had him going in jail. So I said, you know what? I didn't bring up the part about you know everybody know on podcasting is going through this thing where when someone makes it big, it's always somebody disgruntled in their crew that comes mm-hmm. out talking shit like, oh, he dogged me out. So this is what happened with me. This is my first lesson and stuff, right? We got the show going, and it's starting to pop because, and I'm not going to say it's because of my genius necessarily, but Vlad has started speaking on the show a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the guy James was his, I think, second highest, still may be the second most watched interview ever mm-hmm. on his podcast. He was like at like something like 15 million views or something like that, right? Who was that? James. James okay, McDonald. Okay. That's uh-huh. one, of the, one of the co-hosts mm-hmm. of Gangsta Chronicles. Then you had Reggie on there. Reggie was a real 
real controversial guy. Reggie ain't got no filter. He kind of just says whatever comes to mm -hmm. fuck to Reggie's mind, mm -hmm. then he's going to say it, right? Yeah. So you already had that like kind of like um, that car crash effect mm -hmm. to where people is turning around. You don't know what they go say next. And so we got this other guy whose name I won't mention this on there, right? The very, the second month he was there, he tried to convince James and the other co-hosts to come with him and his other guy across the street somewhere. So they told me about it. Again, I don't deal in emotion. Mm -hmm. I deal in business. Me knowing that Reggie was about to go to jail and me knowing that there's no way James could do this by himself. Now I don't have the time to do the show. I couldn't just yeah. kick this dude off the show. So I told him, hey, man, I'm hip to what you got going on. Don't be trying to impede on my show. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I just took a totally professional approach to it. I said, you know, I was going to get attorneys involved and everything else. But them dudes weren't leaving, right? So he stayed there. And he just kind of just became more and more of a headache. Mm -hmm. It was always things like, and at that time, the first 15, 20 episodes of Gangsta Chronicles ain't on film mm -hmm. because it was a strictly audio thing. Mm -hmm. But we had a fan base of people start saying, you guys should start recording the show. And I was thinking, like, what the hell do I find a camera yeah, person yeah. that? I, I just, that wasn't my world. And I didn't get into it for that. So I had this guy that it kept inboxing me, and I didn't know he was inboxing me. You know how Instagram got they it set up. They have different, different hidden boxes and you got to open yeah you. because if you somebody not following you you can have somebody trying to give you a million dollars and they can't get to you mm -hmm. so i finally looked at it and i said you know what this guy has some pretty good stuff i called him i wanted to make sure he wasn't weird though because mm -hmm. you know dealing with the internet you don't know you invite somebody to your studio they might come up there and try to murder your ass yeah. or something you know so i met him he wound up being a cool dude so he wound up being our guy mm -hmm. actually wound up becoming an employee of digital soapbox mm -hmm. so it kind of pissed me off when this other guy would be calling him and mm -hmm. telling him, hey, I want you to edit this like this. And I had to tell him, like, dude, don't contradict my stuff with my employee. Yeah. This guy works with me. Mm -hmm. He's not your employee. Mm -hmm. You are just a work for hire yourself. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know why you're going through all that. You're not the producer of the show. So, again, I kept it professional. This dude just kept a bunch of stuff going. He started being late all the time. This is when Reggie went to jail and it's starting to piss James off too, right? So COVID comes up. Mm -hmm. COVID comes around. The whole world is in a panic. I'm pretty sure you all remember that. I remember it. I saw all my companies die really fast. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm scared to death because I got asthma. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, man, there's some shit in the air. We might mm -hmm. fuck around and go outside and yeah. pass out. We don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I remember I dropped something on the ground at the grocery store, and I wouldn't even pick it up because I said, man, it's contaminated, right? So. <laughs> Do you remember that air? It was like two years of straight. Yeah, Nightmare. It was bullshit. Yeah. You just it's almost like you're on house arrest. You don't want to go nowhere. You're scared to death. And your kids don't give a fuck. That's what makes it even more scary because they trying out, they refusing to wear a mask and all that shit. Well, it's not gonna matter, you know, and I'm looking at my daughter like if you don't put that damn mask on, you go have to sleep in the garage. <laughs> so we just all scared, right? So I'm sorry, that is the funniest thing I heard all week. So at that point, we got an interview with Warren G coming. Uh -huh. Warren G is my guy. So I text him. I say, hey, this is the Zoom link. We have an interview with Warren G. He just don't respond back. You know me. I can give a flying. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just tired of this dude. I'm over. He don't respond back. But James is kind of panicking because he's like, I can't do this show by myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, chill out. I got you. 
He calls the dude like a hundred times. Dude don't respond. I'm like, dude, stop calling him. If he want to be here, he'll be here. If he mm-hmm. don't, let him go on about his business. So that Warren G episode winds up turning into two episodes, three episodes. We wound up doing all the episodes, just me and him after that, right? Okay, okay. And I never addressed the elephant in the room of him being gone. I'm thinking, Rex, you could be back home in a year. As soon as they come back, it's cracking. And by this time, James is getting a lot more seasoned than what he's mm-hmm. doing. He actually ran a few episodes by himself, mm-hmm. and they turned out really well. So at this point, we just keep on moving, right? Then people start calling us. I start getting all kinds of different calls from people's research department. Like um, Spotify hit us up and said, hey, what's going on with this show? Won't you won't? Can you confirm your analytics? Because contrary to what people know, these companies have ways of finding out what your numbers are. It's just a best case, though. They don't know 100% for sure. So they'll ask you to see your analytics and support. Hey, can you send us your analytics? Uh-huh. Sure. So they offered us some, but it wasn't really hitting on what I was interested mm-hmm. in because I knew for 100% I always wanted to own my own content. Mm-hmm. Unless you give me a bag of money, no, this is still mine. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what you got is yours, and this is still mine. But unless you're giving me a couple million dollars, why would I just give you my intellectual property? Yeah. So we get these people called, and they got a company, Benchtown, that hits us. Mm-hmm. Again, it was another deal that was cool. All these companies are cool, but it was just not nothing to my liking. And But I got to explain to James because he wondered, why, why we ain't taking this money from yeah. these people? And I'm like, dude, it's not a good deal. You can wind up being mad at me in a year or so yeah. if we do take this deal, right? So then one day, I'm going into Kaiser, right? And you know, this is still a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right? We masked up, we outside. My phone rings a couple of times from this weird number. And I ignored the first time. Because you know how your phone says scam on there? Mm-hmm. It started doing a little scam thing, mm-hmm. and I was ignoring the call. Then I finally answered, like, like, like kind of mad, like, hello? Peace, King? I'm like, who is this? It's Charlemagne. I hang up, boop. Like, like, you know, like, how the hell you get the Charlemagne calling me? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't place a mind that him and Glasses was friends. Like, Glasses have known Charlemagne since he was just coming to business, going okay. on those little small promo tours. He knew Charlemagne before Charlemagne was So Charlemagne. You, you didn't think it was Charlemagne? Yeah, I didn't think it was him. Okay. So I finally answered. He was like, hey, man, you know, I'm starting this network. If I got your, I'm from Glasses, and I really like y'all's show. And so I was like, damn, this is dope. Well, that's fucking Charlemagne calling the motherfucker. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm kind of feeling myself. I'm like, man, there's people calling me. I'm answering, I got to call you back. I'm on the phone with Charlemagne. Just let them know. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so we kicking it, right? We figuring out what we going to do. And I, tell, I don't even tell James yet because I don't tell him nothing unless it's going down because yeah. then you got somebody bugging the hell like, out of you. What's up, Dave? You know, what, what's, going you what's going on with this? What's going on with this, right? Did he call you back? So... <laughs> We get that, then we set up a series of calls, right? Mm-hmm. Then me and Charlemagne talking one day, and he asked me, well, how much money y'all want? And I'm like, damn. Let me get back to you, bro, on that. Yeah, let me figure, yeah, you know, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let uh... me figure out. So then <laughs> we get a call on the phone, and I just like the vibe of everybody up there. See, Dolly and them wasn't there yet. Okay. Dolly hadn't came on board yet. She okay. wasn't there yet. And then the, I called them the, 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 the Wonder Women. The Wonder Women. I mean, them yeah. women are, yeah. he's so blessed with them women. The Wonder Women, you know, Dolly, Ihaku, and all them, Chanel, yeah. they wasn't there yet. But I just felt like the genuineness mm-hmm. of the whole network, it wasn't even so much about the money. It was about somebody that's going to stand up on the table for you mm-hmm. 
Yeah. When somebody possibly talking about releasing you or something like that, they the type of people that's going to stand up on the table for you, you yeah. know? So I felt that was important. So we wound up doing a deal with them, and we had to be real quiet about it. And the hardest thing for me was keeping James kind of like, because he don't know how corporations work. Mm -hmm. When he did the deal with me, I was able to get the paperwork done. Even with us now, it's slow as hell because we got attorneys and everything involved mm -hmm. now. So I hit my attorney and I want to get a deal. Sometimes I'm at that, like, dude, I want to ask you for the, because it ain't a boilerplate. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a template on the deal. You got to actually draw that up from word yeah. one, right? So we, we waiting on the paperwork. And James like, man, is these people bullshit, man? Mm -hmm. It don't been two weeks. I said, dude, you got to chill, man. Like, you got to really chill. Like, well, I ain't going to want to do this shit no more. You got to <laughs> relax. Like, so we wound up getting the deal done. And um, I tell you, it's been one of the biggest joys I had because you very rarely have those situations to where you like everybody you work with. Yeah, yeah. Like, Dolly is cool as hell. I love yeah. Dolly. I always call I've, her I've president. Known, yeah, I've, I've known Dolly for for over 10 years, I think, and uh, I've seen her blossom. We both worked with Nick Cannon for mm -hmm. a long time, and so I've seen her blossom and surpass, I think, anything anybody could ever imagine. And even when we talk, like, her level of acumen, just, like, sometimes I'll be talking to her, and she'll, you know, it's like, I felt like for a long time, it was the opposite. Like, she kind of looked up to me, and now it's switched, and it's, a for me, it's a beautiful thing. And then sometimes she'll be like, you know, I still look up to you. Like, girl, please don't hump. Don't. Don't try to make me feel good right yeah, now. Dolly's the bomb. <laughs> but she's the bomb. And the whole crew over there is the bomb. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. really good people. And so I said, you know what? If I'm going to be in a business relationship with somebody, I want it to be that way to where yeah. we all honest each other. And it's like, mm -hmm. if they call me tomorrow and said, hey, we're not messing with y'all show no more, it wouldn't be no beef. It wouldn't yeah, be no yeah. strife because they just all, those people are good people. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to ever do nothing like underhanded. It's like, I don't even think that way with them. I don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. Because, first of all, it's a mega corporation. You don't get no bigger than iHeartMedia. Yeah. And I like the fact that Black Effect is its own separate entity. Yeah, yeah. So when people ask me, I'll say, yeah, they go through iHeart, but I'm signed to Black Effect. I'm yeah. signed, you know, this is what we signed I will to. say this, though. Oh, when we were at the iHeart, I think iHeart had that that event. iHeart's people were also pretty Oh, nice. yeah, they're and they treat uh, the Black Effect really great. So it's... I just think the thing about the black effect, which, by the way, I remember that transition where, like, I heard that Charlamagne wanted eating while broke, which I was like, Jesus, you're, you're, you know, like, oh, my gosh, what a miracle. But I remember that period where, like, from Charlemagne saying he wants eating while broke to the period where the paperwork actually came was like, eh, like, but, you know, I remember that period of, like, waiting and I don't it's know like what to expect. It's like waiting on the baby almost because you're, like, waiting and it's like... And you don't, you don't want to be eager either. You can't call and be like, hey, you just got to be chill. You got to be like, okay. Yeah, because that's how it was because <laughs> you got to remember the time we waiting on him is other people still calling. Mm -hmm. So I have the pressure, like even now, when you waiting on those renewals, and that's why they tell Dolly, like, Dolly, I kind of need to know because there's people calling these people with a lot of money, mm -hmm. and they, I'm trying to keep them... You feel yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, where they at? I need to know what we doing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And she may say, oh, Norm, we fine. You know, I thought we was, you know, I need to know on paper kind of because it yeah. still is a business at the end of the day. It is. And uh, I know we're about to go through renewal. So I'm like sweating bullets. And the girls there are so nice. They're just like, oh, lean. And I'm like, well, I kind of need to know, too, you know, mm -hmm. what the next step is, especially when you have interview shows because mm -hmm. you have to tape 
so many in advance just to make sure. And that's the big thing. And we're going down, I can't say too much about it, but we're going through a massive transition mm-hmm. on the Gangster Chronicles to where we are getting more focused on crime, but not just not just dealing with the L.A. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we're going dealing more with the vice lords, you mm-hmm. know, what the vice lords had going on. You know, Larry Hoover's case, mm-hmm. even some of the, um, like the black the prison gangs, like the Black Gorilla Family mm-hmm. and the Aryan Nation, the Aryan Brotherhood. We're going to go do a really journalistic deep dive I into like these that. people, yeah. these organizations, right? So it's like, we, we need to know what's going on. And that's the part of the business. But with Digital Soapbox, what wound up happening is we have so many great people from Yuck Mile from you know, from the Bay Area, from the group, the Loonies. Um, Crazy Bone don't walk through our doors mm-hmm. before. You know, Math Hoffa, he was with us at first. Mm-hmm. Even though, and I appreciate Math Hoffa, that was one of those situations where it never was no beef or nothing like that. He just didn't know enough about the business mm-hmm. to his conference. He kind of told me, big bro, let me go and do my thing for mm-hmm. a minute so I can figure this out. And it was cool. I don't hold people to paperwork. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, it was cool. I didn't have no bunch of money out there with yeah. him. So it was like, you know what, man, we shook hands and he went on about his business. And you see he's flourishing now. Mm-hmm. You know, we got some great people on the network. And um, we went from this transition sort of, like, you know, I told you we had the camera guy come in. Mm-hmm. That one camera guy turns into two guys that you're down with. Then next thing you know, you got three guys. Then you got four guys. Now you got a building that you're dealing with. And it kind of turned to a media company because we start putting different stuff together, different yeah. types of content together, to where now we're launching our own TV network. Yeah, yeah. You know, rap television, we're kind of bringing back the old BET basement flavor mm-hmm. to where we playing just nothing but hip-hop music videos, but we're also showing content, urban yeah. content, the yeah. best urban content, in which we want to bring, you know, Eating while broke. Like Hopefully this, we'll, you know, be, we'll be joining you. You know, and that's the thing, um, you know, because... Streaming has just went like this. It went mm-hmm. from just being about. I remember when I first got Roku, I was in Best Buy one day and I saw this stick and I got. I was just talking about my cable bill. I was like, cable three hundred dollars a month. We paying yeah. for some shit. They don't even show nothing on there. So I got that Roku stick. Ever since then, I've been off of cable, man. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming to our show. Um, what advice would you give to anybody that's striving to be? In not just the music business or the publishing business, but the podcast business, coming from eating while broke. I, the first thing I would say is to manage your expectations. I think um, people in general hear so much about these deals that are often inflated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's no problem. I hope these brothers out here making as much money as they can, but a lot of them are overinflated. You know, they hear about people getting five, $10 million, $50 million. Like, Joe Rogan also had astronomical numbers to back it up. I think this dude was doing something like a million, an episode on YouTube, same with his podcast. So he's deserving of that type of money. But Joe has also been doing this since the beginning yeah. of podcasts. It took a while. I would tell people just to persevere and don't think about the money just to keep their stuff going. Consistency. Consistency. Be, yeah. be consistent with what you're doing. It don't matter if you ain't making a dime at it. Don't get into it for money because that's the same thing with music. Any artist that ever approaches me like I'm trying to get a bag, I'm like, I ain't the one for you. Yeah, yeah. Anyone that tells me they're passionate about their music and want to get better at their craft, I'm with that because if you, the more proficient you become at something, money is going to come yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if you're an 
if you a dude that just paint pictures of cartoons in your room all day, eventually them cartoons gonna be so dope where people gonna be offering you money for them cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So focus on being great. Don't focus on getting to the bag, as y'all young people would say. Focus yeah. on being great at what it is you do and, and perfecting and your craft. And enjoying it. And, and enjoying it. it. For the right reasons. Yeah, because I don't care how much money. You know, like I said, I think with that publishing company, I was making $300,000 a year on a salary, man. When they just had money, but I was miserable. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't happy doing it no more. So I don't care how much money you got. Money ain't going to make you happy. No, no. And it's it's the forever ending chase. Like, I, I'll i see people and there'll be a person living on 40000 and they'll, there's another person living on 200000 And at the end of the day, it's like the more money you make, the more overhead you end up accumulating. Yes, yeah, all relative. It just, it just never stops. So just finding what kind of provides you peace and not being a slave to the system. And that's it. And remember this, and this is for my brothers out there. Gorillas only belong in the jungle. They don't belong in the boardroom. You're going to have disagreements sometimes. You can't take stuff personal. So I would tell people think more with their brain and not with emotions. Okay. Everything is not a personal attack. So I see a lot of people play themselves like that, like they may be having a problem with the label. And they, the label is all the time trying to cheat you. Sometimes it's just, it's just what it is, you know? You want to get an understanding with them, but everything ain't about cussing people out. You always want to maintain your professionalism. Yeah. Yeah. I think as a woman, that is probably going to be harder advice to take. Well, y'all go through a lot more, too. Yeah, yeah. Y'all yeah. go through a lot more, too. It's a difference. You know, I'm a six foot four big black dude, yeah. so people... Only, people I was guessing me. your height. I said he's six foot five, but I was close. You know, <laughs> people are going to handle me a certain way versus you. They may feel like they can handle you in a certain way. Yeah. And I do know this personally, that some of the strongest people I know are women. Like, my mom was a strong woman, and uh, I see it sometimes, and um, I always laugh because when I'm dealing with sometimes with some of our female hosts, they're always professional, but they'll let you know, hey, I'm here, and I'm strong, and I'm willing to fight for what's, what's mine. <laughs> and I just be laughing, and I say, I got you, sister. You ain't going to have no problems out of me. But they will let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so thankful that you took the time to come on my show. Anytime. It took it took a couple months to get it together, and you blessed me with one of my favorite dishes on the show, which is very hard to say. I think I have like three favorites on the show. This is in my top three. Yeah, I'm gonna have to send I'm gonna have to send prayers a copy of this. Um, and you know, and you guys can get this recipe in the Eating While Broke cookbook when it does come out, so you can make it at home. And it took us about less than fifteen minutes. Yeah, less than that. Less than fifteen minutes, and we had the best nachos for a couple bucks. Literally, probably. Max twenty dollars total, and that's because we had turkey meat. Or you could eat nachos. Yeah, or you could just eat nachos without the meat, and it could really be pennies on the dollar. And I definitely would advise the Velveeta cheese over the nacho it cheese hit, with the carnation. It hit milk. a little different. It hits way different. Um, thank you again for coming. And uh, if you guys want to check out Gangster Chronicles, you can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we are both on the Black Effect, so you can also check out that network. Also, peace out. Peace. Peace. For more Eating While Broke from iHeartRadio and The Black Effect, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yeah. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, 
we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists, like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupri, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Angela Yee, host of Angela Yee's Lip Service. If you listen to my podcast, you know I love making space for women to be themselves. That's why I'm excited to be part of Women Take the Mic, iHeartRadio's celebration of the women who make music, influence change, and create culture. All month long, your favorite voices from talk radio, music, and podcasting will highlight the remarkable achievements made by women and discuss the most significant issues facing us today. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash Women's Day for more. And listen to Women Take the Mic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> As a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 